All right, brother. Well, uh, let's kick it over to our interview before my computer crashes here. Once again, Dave Bartu, outstanding. You're going to love this. I mean, he he tells it like it is, and he don't care if there's any blowback. So let's kick it over <laughs> to old Dave Bartu. All right, we're so pleased to be joined once again by Dave Bartu. You know him as the CFB Matrix, one of the best out there telling stories with numbers. Dave. Thank you so much for joining the program. It's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. Dude, I, and, and as usual, uh, I got lots of stories to tell. And uh, and in the SEC, there's there's never a shortage of, of not only fun stories, uh, but opinions to be able to look the other direction in when you know how I, I enjoy looking left when everybody's looking right. Exactly. And that's the, the reason I wanted to have you on, Dave, because... Most of us, myself included, we're all wrapped up in this eight versus nine SEC scheduled debate. We've been literally been having it for over a year. It's ridiculous. But here we are. We're still having the discussion. Seems like most are in the nine boat. You are saying, hey, let's pump the brakes on that. Why, in your opinion, did Greg Sankey and the SEC make the wise decision to stay at eight conference games for at least one more year? Oh, I, I don't know. I'm not putting words in Greg's mouth, man. He will <laughs> kick my butt. Um, so, and it doesn't appear that Greg made the decision. It appears that uh, the athletic directors did right. uh, in, in this regard. And my point of view comes from making the SEC look as strong as possible. That's one of my points of view. The other one, uh, and, I, and I think this is regardless uh, of eight, seven, nine, ten, we have a college football that is in flux right now. All right, changes are happening with the playoffs. Now, up until what ten years ago or so, the bowl system was the pinnacle of college football, and that was the focus. And then it's morphed into this. Everybody talk. Nobody talks about bowls anymore. Right, it's all about four teams in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. we know that going to twelve, that's all that anybody's going to talk about. That is what college football has become. And so, if I am uh, an SEC fan, or I am the let's say I am the commissioner of the SEC, I want the SEC to look as good as possible come playoff time. Right. Look as good as possible come playoff time, and also during the regular season, have as many top 25 matchups as possible, okay? So when you look at the numbers, if you go to nine games, everybody goes to nine games, um, what is going to happen, all right? So the schedules are going to get tougher. Would you agree with that? This is going to create a tougher schedule for everybody from Vanderbilt all the way up to Alabama, Georgia, right? There's no doubt. Okay. Now, Alabama, Georgia, are they going to win more or less games if it goes from eight or nine? Probably not. Right. So, so what we're going to talk about here really doesn't apply to them because they're on the upper level of talent, no matter who they play. Okay. They could play a 12 game SEC schedule. They're probably going to be favored in every single football game that they play, except maybe against each other. And who knows what that's going to be. All right. But for everybody else, the schedule is going to get harder. All right. So uh, let's uh, I'm going to use Missouri as an example, because I believe there were five teams 
that uh, said they wanted to go to nine, right? Five programs. LSU, mm -hmm. top 10 recruiter. Texas A&M, top 10 recruiter. Georgia, top 10 recruiter. Uh, and who was, uh, who was the, who was number Florida. four? Florida. Florida, top 15 recruiter. Okay, so we got four top 15 recruiters and Missouri. Missouri is clearly a bottom half recruiter in the SEC. So when I hear Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri athletic director say, I want to go to nine, what they're telling me, okay, and keep in mind, a head coach and an athletic director are judged on one thing in fans' minds, right? And that is wins, right? Oh, wins yeah. mm -hmm. and losses. So if I'm sitting in front of everybody going, I want to go from eight games in the toughest conference in college football, the conference that has more injuries per snap in college football, I want to go from eight to nine. I want to make it tougher. I want to have a shot at fewer wins. I want to have a lower shot at bowl eligibility. I want a lower shot at being a top 25 team. I want a harder path to get into the conference championship game. I want a harder path to get in the playoffs. That's what Missouri is telling me when I'm hearing somebody like Eli say, I want to go to nine. You are under talented in this conference. You are asking for less of everything absolutely less of everything. And you look at the SEC, it is one of the most consistent conferences in terms of wins and losses in all of college football. Last 10 years, almost 70%, seven out of every 10 games is one, doesn't matter where it's played, is won by the better recruiter, period. So when somebody like Missouri says, I want to move up to a harder schedule, are you freaking nuts? You are judged by wins and losses, and you're telling me you want a chance at fewer wins. Now, for the fans, they're saying, hey, I want better games. Okay, I get that too, because in this day and age, you get instant gratification all the time. You want to watch something you, want to watch something you like on... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the hound dogs just went nuts. I think there was a shotgun in the back 40 or something like that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? We, we, we have, everything's going to be tougher, all right? And going to nine games, uh, again, I understand the programming from the standpoint of, look, we get to control what we want. We all get instant gratification every single day in our programming. Okay. If I want to go to YouTube and watch anything, I want to watch highlights of Maverick making his run with the F F14 versus the, 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 the Sioux 57s. I can watch it as many times as I want. Right. If I want to watch Russian oil painting dude talking Russian, I can, I can, I can make myself happy every second of the day with my programming except what college football so if everything else makes me happy all the time i want my conference to make me happy all the time i think it's a psychological thing it is a big part of this um but i don't think that fans want a tougher schedule with fewer wins now for whatever reason there's the fans out there that my favorite is oh i want a tougher schedule with more wins look greg and you want Greg Sankey to bake you a cake and sing you happy birthday too, right? <laughs> That's not the way it works, right? Tougher schedule, fewer wins for just about everybody. So if it goes to nine, 100% believe at least half the fan bases are going to be 
pissed. Why? Because their expectation has gone down about seven-tenths of a game a year. They go down seven-tenths and up seven-tenths in losses. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but there's a big difference between five and seven and six and six. There's a big difference between seven and five and being a top 25 team. Now, if you're all playing each other, we also know that top 25 games, that's really what drives everything. I mean, it's is it cool watching Oklahoma, Texas? Yes, it is. Two big brands. But if they're both four and four, who really yeah, wants yeah. to watch that? Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody's going to want to watch that. You know, what we want to watch is we want to watch we want to watch an Iron Bowl that both teams are 11-0. and 0. Now, the odds of them both getting to 11-0 and 0 are much more against them if they're playing a tougher schedule. Right? right? So – realistically what we want is more top 25 matchups but if we go to nine games or then there's you got the idiots that want to go to 10 now all of a sudden you put a big wall around your whole conference and all you're doing is just just playing each other that's the nfl nfl has 32 teams they all play each other there's not a damn meaningful regular season game ever there's no upsets nobody cares right it's it's a bunch of basically 500 teams so i don't i don't really don't like to go into 10 but I do believe a lot of people, your fans, SEC fans, support going to nine because they want better programming. But what they really want is better games. And they'd rather they'd rather go play more good out-of-conference games than playing good in-conference games. Because if you play four non-conference games, what are the odds that you have more top 25 teams in the SEC? It's a lot higher, right? Because you're not beating each other up. You're not right. causing losses within the conference. So, you know, to me, the staying at eight is the best way to go because we don't know what's going to happen with the playoffs. I want to see what's going to happen in that environment before I make a change. But I also look at it as if I stay at eight with 16 teams, my my conference, the SEC, I'm going to have more top 25 teams. I'm going to have more teams that are bowl eligible. Come bowl season, I want 14, 15, 16 teams in the bowls if possible. Okay. I want, I want half the top 25 to be sec teams. If you go to nine or 10 games, guess what? Wins and losses still count. You're going to start knocking yourself out of the top 25. And then you get to the ultimate, which is the top 12. Look, if they stay at eight, I'll say this right now on your show. If they stay at eight conference games and playoffs go to 12, once in the next 10 years, we're going to have a final four, of all SEC teams. Okay. You go to nine, those odds drop way off. I won't take that bet because you're going to cannibalize yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's going to be, you're going to have less top 25 games. Everybody's looking at it as top 25 teams now. They're all going to be top 25 teams with nine conference games. They're not because you're adding losses to the, to, to the loss column, which is going to reduce that. So overall, not only because there's change happening right now, but I want the SEC to be the most powerful in the postseason. And to me, that's being eight games, four non-conference. I mean, if anything, the Pac-12, the Big 12, uh, the Big 10, drop down to eight. Start playing each other. You know, we need to make an incentive to get these guys playing each other. That's the biggest problem right now is we don't have an incentive to have tough non-conference games. Well, I'm glad you hit on the playoff, Dave, because I know you have cracked the code, so to speak. It's funny when they come out with this weekly Tuesday show and they try to <laughs> bullshit their way through why they did this and that and this and that. And and you put out the morning before, here's the rankings. And you, and you get it, you know, you nail about 20, 20, 
three of the of the rankings and, and minus one or two here or there. So you clearly have identified what they're looking at. Um, assuming, now I, I don't know that if we have this answer, but assuming they stay at the same formula for the 12-team model, Right. Have you yeah. have you run the numbers on um, on on how that would would affect the SEC going eight versus nine and, and how many they would potentially get into a twelve team field? No, I I haven't. Now um, let let's for argument's sake let's assume they're going to run the same model forward, right? What what they're doing to evaluate the top four and see those. Let's just say for argument's sake that's going to move forward, which makes sense because it's it's working fine right now, uh, and it takes into account really what's important, which is margin of victory, margin of loss, uh, and quality teams you beat. That's essentially the playoff formula right now. So when you look at the SEC, how does it affect the SEC? Well, if that goes forward, one of the big things that, that the SEC has had an advantage of in this new playoff is numbers, is eight conference games four non-conference games because what it does is what's really important when you're grading teams for playoff position is how many top 25 teams did you beat now they have to be top 25 at the end of the season not when you played them at the end of the season so if you got eight and four versus nine and three the numbers say your odds are you're going to have more top 25 teams to be on your resume Mm -hmm. so staying at eight it's a resume boost. You go to nine, you're hurting your playoff resume. The second thing is how many quality wins did you have? Now, a quality win in the current playoff system is a team with seven or more wins at the end of the season. You start playing each other, right? You go from eight to nine. Guess what? You have fewer quality wins within the conference. You go to nine to 10, you have even fewer. If, if you were at, let's say, all 12 games were playing the SEC, guess what? You're hardly going to have any quality wins because more than half the teams are going to be below 500. It's a numbers game. That's really what I'm trying to get at is it's a numbers game. So how it would work out, I'm not sure. But I do know that if you go to nine, you're going to have fewer top 25 teams over time. You are going to have fewer quality wins available over time. And that hurts your playoff chances. That's why as pretending I'm the commissioner of the SEC, right? That's why I'm saying stay at eight because you are giving everybody, all 16 teams in your conference, you are giving an opportunity at more top 25 wins, more quality wins. Now here's where scheduling is important for the Alabama, the Georgias, the LSUs, the Tennessees, and so forth that want to try to get in the playoffs. Now you have to figure out those other four games. How do you schedule good teams that are going to be a quality win like an App State? like a Toledo, um, you know, and so forth. How do you do, how do you create good quality wins to boost your resume? That's one of the things that we've worked on with a lot of programs is how do you schedule within the current playoff system? And we can use numbers to, you know, adjust odds on the strength of a schedule in terms of the ability of getting into the playoffs. So, you know, from, from, a, from the standpoint of how it would affect the SEC, I don't know directly what it would do. But by reducing the number of top 25 teams, by reducing the potential number of quality wins, you are hurting playoff resumes across the board. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going, you know, ah, Dave, shit, Dave, it doesn't matter. Georgia's getting in no matter what. Okay. Alabama's getting in no matter what. Okay. But wouldn't it be nice if Ole Miss, South Carolina, 
Kentucky, Mississippi State, some of these other teams that aren't just automatically in your mind getting into the, you know, what if it comes down to you could get a team in the 11th and 12th seed, but because they played a bunch of conference games, they don't have the resume now. Right. So I say, why take the risk on hurting the resume, stay at eight, split it up um, and, and go from there. Now, you may have to adjust down the road. Some people would say, hey, well, we get to make more money. But when is a diminishing return going to kick in? OK, you, you made everybody made an extra five million. But how many have pissed off fans because they're losing more games now? Right. And I know people are listening to this going, oh, our, our team is going to lose more games. Dude, somebody's <laughs> losing more games. Right, it's right. just the way it is. And, and, and people listening to this say, well, that's not going to happen to us. Yeah, it probably will. It probably will. Over time, nine games will cost you playoff position versus eight. And if I'm the commissioner, I want maximum exposure during the postseason. You know, so that's what I'd be looking at from that standpoint. So just to be clear, according to the uh, the way they do the playoff uh, now, mm-hmm. it doesn't look at Team A's played eight conference games, Team B's played nine conference games. They, they don't. Oh, shit. It. No, that don't, don't matter. That don't matter. That, no, that right? don't matter. No, yeah. that don't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. You know, all, it's, it's really easy. Get, get yourself a whiteboard. You can become mm-hmm. a playoff genius. Okay. With a simple whiteboard. All right. You go up next to every team and all you got to do is put a check mark. Did you win the conference championship game? Boom. You get a point. Okay. Did you beat a top 25 team? Boom. You get a point. Now, when you beat a top 25 team, here's, here's why a conference championship game is so powerful because you win a conference championship, one point, you've beaten a top 25 team in that game, two points, and they're a quality win. That's three. So you just start making marks championships, quality wins, top 25 wins. And you do that across the board. It doesn't matter if you play 12 games in conference or 12 games out of conference. Look at BYU. Look, BYU could get in the playoffs if they beat enough enough top 25 teams. Now where they get killed, they don't get a conference championship game. That's what killed the Big 12. Remember when, uh, uh, was it uh, TCU and and Baylor? And they said, oh, they tied. And everybody's like, oh, the tie killed them. No. Not having the conference championship game killed them because everybody else above them played a game that weekend and gained basically three points. Mm -hmm. So those are super important. But the eight versus nine, no. People like to say, oh, strength of schedule matters. Bullshit. It matters. Strength of schedule means this much. Zero. There is zero correlation between strength of schedule and quality of the team. The only thing, strength of schedule, and the models out there are weak as hell. Even even strength of schedule I make is weak as hell. What I make shouldn't be used. No strength of schedule should be used, but you've got to use one. But what they do is they use it only when everything else is equal. So if you and I are the 12 seed, right, and we both have the same number of quality wins, we both got the same margin of victory, and we both got the same number of top 25 wins, and everything is equal, we got the same record, and you got a better strength of schedule than I do, then you're going to get in. But that's the only time it's going to be used. And I hate when it's used because there's so few non-conference games head-to-head against these guys. It's hard to create a really good model. But, man, for the SOS people, dude, you are never – I've run the numbers so many times. It is – using an SOS model to determine who's winning is as easy as just picking up a coin and flipping it. 
<laughs> well, Dave, I also wanted to ask you about two-point conversions because you're another oh, one. <laughs> the ghost chasing the ghost. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah I'm um, raised, you go for two. I mean, two, Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, geniuses, they go for two all the time. But according not geniuses. to you, when you go for two, you're not a genius. Yeah. You're not a genius. You're a dumbass. <laughs> you're a total dumbass. You are chasing a ghost. You are trying to catch a unicorn fart under a rainbow in fairyland. It doesn't exist. Look, I'll give you a great example. Uh, 2022, and I could do this for every year going back, but let's just look at 2022, right? There are 738 games, 738, 738 games, FBS versus FBS. Okay. Um, number of one point endings okay uh it was 28 so it's, it's basically the numbers are one out of every 25 games last year ended in a one point game one out of 25 so if you are well you know if you if you're lane kiffin at old miss and you're going for two points right you are chasing a game that's going to happen once every 25 games okay now understand going for two is the expected value of going for two is less than kicking the extra point. Mm -hmm. Okay. The expected value of going for two is less than kicking the extra point. It's even worse if you're trailing. Okay. The odds of getting two consecutive two point conversions in a game is less than 15% if you're trailing. All right. So last year, 738 games, one out of 25 ended up in a one point game. Now there were only four, four games out of 738 that were influenced directly by two-point conversions, four of them, those teams went one and three. Mm. One and three. The only win on a two-point conversion that I've given credit to was Utah over USC. And I know! Oh, my God! LSU fan just lost their shit, right? <laughs> I was trying to catch you on it. I was going, I was going to catch you on it. You're wrong! Because you didn't win that game on a two-point conversion. You know who lost that game on two failed two-point conversions? Before you had a – you should have never had a shot at that two-point conversion if Nick Saban doesn't go for two and fails twice. Game would have never gone into overtime. That's one of the three losses. Alabama, Nick Saban. So you're one and three chasing two-point conversions in 2022. Well, that's why that's that that data is so fascinating because we all remember the final play, right? But we forget how we got there, right? Now, was it cool that LSU had the opportunity to go for that? Oh God, yeah, right. I mean, it's just yeah, and Utah against USC at home, basically the last play, going for two, boom. That is exciting that the play is there. I'm not saying change it. If anybody thinks, oh, then we just don't need two point conversions. No, nah, it makes shit exciting don't get me wrong right and when you're in a situation understand that when you're watching a game where a two-point conversion can win it like lsu or like utah that is so rare so so incredibly rare it just when you're behind and a team's going for two games already over you're dead you're not it, it's not gonna happen and if it does it is such a blessings from the college football gods you have no idea how rare that is uh, to, to be able to even witness something like that. But when you see a head coach going for two in a situation where the time left in the game and the number of drives they have left to try to win, it does not match up. You see somebody going for two in the first, second, third quarter, he is making a wrong decision. Not only does that lose more games than it wins, 
it just is such a non-factor. So um, that's my data. That's my take on it. Uh, I don't care who the head coach is. If he's going for two before time running out in the fourth quarter, it's just a bad decision by the numbers. You are chasing a ghost that you're never going to catch. Mm. Hey, Dave, do you got time real quick to just uh, run down a couple teams I wanted to ask you about real quick in the SEC? <laughs> go, go for it. Go for it. I'll, I'll, uh, well, we can, we can, we can fly through some stuff, try to make some stuff up as we go along too. Yeah. Uh, one team I'm fascinated with is Mississippi state with the coaching turnover, uh, an offensive coordinator that has not called plays at power five, a defensive coordinator that's never done it. First year head coach yet fans are fired up. They're, they're calling me an idiot for saying they're not going to win eight or nine games. Uh, Dude, who, who, who said who said State's going to win eight or nine games? I mean, all their fans are, are fully on board the, the Zach Arnett train. Now, and he may be a hell of a coach, but year one, that's a, that's a tough tough task. Okay, so is so number one, Mississippi State's a bottom half recruiter in the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they get they have one of the worst three game runs in all of SEC schedule this year. I think they go uh, Bama. South Carolina, LSU. Yeah, yeah, um, I got it. Yeah, you're exactly yeah, right. In, in LSU, week, South yeah. Carolina, Alabama, back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. Back to back. In week what, three, four, five? Yes. Yeah, I, I, who they piss off to get that. I mean, that's that's just – the physicality index of that is brutal. They are going to be beat to shit on that, right? I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. beat to shit. Um, and then, so, Dave, listen to this. Two weeks later, they start this run at Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky at Texas A&M. So three or four on the road against some of those toss-up games, but three on the four in the road. After after getting the crap kicked out of them by LSU and Alabama's, uh, it's just, it's a brutal schedule. Number one, Uh, number two, they're a bottom half recruiter. So, you know, talent is, is not there uh, versus some of the upper teams. Okay. Uh, You have entire coaching staff turnover. You got a new OC, you got a new DC, um, you got new culture, you got new everything. And I mean, seriously, anybody thinking eight, nine wins is abs. If they get there, holy shit, dude, coach of the year, SEC coach of the year, no question. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many games Dan Mullen and Mike Leach won combined at Mississippi State in their first year? Hmm. Nine. 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 So so Mississippi State fan that's going, dude, we're going to win nine games. Dan Mullen plus – Mike Leach won nine games combined in their first year. Yeah. Come on, dude. Give the guy a break. I mean, not, not only do you have all that, you have an iconic figure, Mike Leach dying in December during recruiting season. I mean, he literally couldn't have picked a worse week to leave the program. Yeah. Oh man. I just, why, why do the fans have to, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, if you want to give the guy a chance, hope for six and six. Try to get to a bowl, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, give it some, give it, give some time. Have some real expectations. You know, maybe they'll get there, right? Maybe he is that guy. I love him. He does listen. He does think outside the box. He's working as hard as any head coach to take in information all over the place. I love what he's doing, but to put the pressure on Zach and the rest of the staff and the kids to try to get to eight to nine wins. Oh, man, not only are you setting them up for failure, you as a fan 
You're setting yourself up for failure. The same way going to nine games. Oh, we're going to go to nine games. Our schedule's going to get tougher. We're going to win more football games. That's not the way the math works. And the same thing with Mississippi State, man. Don't get over your skis. I, as, as, as a Mississippi State fan, uh, I'll be happy with six and six. That'll be a great start going in the right direction. If after everything that's happened, they can get to six and six with that schedule, good job, Zach. Now, what about Arkansas? They, they overachieved two years ago, arguably underachieved last year. But you, you could just say, you know, they won the close games two years ago. They lost them a year ago. Maybe that's just the difference here. Uh, any thoughts on Arkansas with a new defensive and, and offensive coordinators? Oh, yeah. So you, so you got total difference in co- coaching continuity there. Now, uh, uh, you lost one of the best offensive coordinators in Bryles uh, mm-hmm. in college football. Um, you bring in, you, so, so you've taken a step down on offense. Defensively, you've taken a step down. Right. I mean, we don't know where Williams is going to be. I mean, he's a rising star in our system, but he only has two years as a play caller. So we really don't know his downside. That always scares me is, is not knowing the downside of a guy. So I think you're taking a step back in both both spots. Now, overall, the staff is still very, very good. But again, are we talking about a bottom half recruiter in the SEC? Yes, we are. You know, and, and, you know, looking at the schedule, I pulled it up while I was talking. Uh, so we got win, win, win right out of the gate. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we should be three and out. Woo! And then we go LSU, A&M, Mississippi, Bama. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> well, how do you expect? You, you, if you, if you you're going to win them all. No. You're going to lose them all. <laughs> you're going to lose them all. You're going to be underdog in all those football games. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're three and zero, and now you're three and four, and, and then and then you then you got the matchup of of crazy fans who both think that their team should be nine and nine. So you got Mississippi State and Arkansas. <laughs> you know, at least for Arkansas, that's at home. So let's give them four and four, and and then they go to Florida. Uh, that's a fifty fifty game right there. So now we're at four and a half wins. You get Auburn at home which you're getting them late in the season, but they had probably the biggest overall staff upgrade in all of college football last year. So let's be nice and go 50-50. Now we're at five wins, FIU six, and Missouri at home, seven. Man, if you're thinking more than seven and five, and man, that, that, that oh man, that LSU, A&M, Bama, Ole Miss right there, same thing as Mississippi State. The physicality, yeah, the back end is easy. Man, I'd flip-flop this thing if I could in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, all your game, all your 50-50 games, all your tough game, you know, your your quote unquote easier games come after this this 20 day, I mean from September 23rd to October 14th, 20 days, you get LSU, AM, Bama, and Ole Miss. God, that is a thankless ass schedule right there. Mm-hmm. Really is. So I don't know what the I don't know what the Vegas total is. I bet you it's close to six and a half. Yeah. The, the over-under is probably six. and I'd say six and a half is a good number for Arkansas for the Vegas total. I believe that's exactly what it is, Dave. So you, you referenced Florida there, year, year two under Billy Napier. Uh, I, now, I think they're one of the bottom tier in the East, but uh, but some people think I'm wrong. And, and hell, I'll, for their sake, I hope I am. Do you, do you think Florida takes a, a year two jump under Napier? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how big of a jump it's going to be. Uh, I, I, I really think it's going to be more of a three-year process for mm-hmm. these guys. Um, you know, bo- bottom tier, I, re- I really see, 
uh, I really see the East as three tiers, right? You got Georgia and Tennessee, um, and then you have South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, um, and then I don't know where you want to put. You want to put Missouri down with Vanderbilt or Missouri up with those guys? You know, I, I yeah, I, I would put them up with them. Okay, that's cool. Or hell, you can just make it two tiers. You can go. It's it's the Tennessee Georgia show and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. But but Florida, I, I would say don't underestimate them too much. Look, they got a they got a new D.C. who's play, called plays for two years. Rising star, kind of like Arkansas. Right. So we don't know what we got with that guy, but we know he's been been doing well. Uh, and, he, and he turned the Southern Miss uh, numbers around really good in year two. All right. Um, got a new quarterback, you know, finally got rid of got rid of the last one, which uh, underperformed you know, every year that he was there. So we, we don't have to worry about that hanging over our head, but you go through this, they're going to Utah, going to probably lose that football game, McNeese state. Uh, so now they're one on one, they get Tennessee at home, going to lose that. We're at one and two, Charlotte, two and two, Florida, Kentucky. There's your 50, 50, right? You know, we don't know what we're going to get out of Kentucky. They lost their quarterback as well. Um, but they got a top 10 defensive coordinator. So we'll call that 50, 50. So now we're at two and a half Vanderbilt. Everybody should beat Vanderbilt. The defense should still be horrific. Uh, so now we're at three and a half wins at South Carolina. Wrong place to play. We're still at three and a half wins. Georgia, Florida, three and a half wins. Arkansas at home. Um, you got it 50-50. There's four. LSU on the road, still at four. Missouri, five. And then Florida State at home, 50-50. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at five to six. So I bet you the Vegas line is five and a half, six wins on that one right now. Yeah, no, you're dead on again. What what about A and M? That's a, such a difficult team for me to get a read on. With uh, is Jim is Jimbo still there? <laughs> As of this recording, he is unfortunately. Okay, okay. So Jimbo's still there. Is Jameis Winston the quarterback? No, not this year. Okay, okay. So we know that A and M's going to underperform their talent, right? That's pretty easy. <laughs> Um, that's my, that's my, that's my dickhead way of simplifying it. I know, I know, but let's, let's be realistic. Uh, when Jimbo was hired, our number said he was an average head coach. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, does he have a very good staff? He has a phenomenal football staff. All right. I mean, if, if you take his other 10 headsets and give that program a lot of other head coaches, you're talking national championship. Look, they're a top 10 recruiter. They've been a top 10 recruiter for the last four years, right? Eight and four last year. That was one of the worst talent to result ratios we had in college football last year. Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Those are two terrible teams last year uh, when it comes down to talent and expectations. Petrino, the, the, this, this is uh, – A&M's got to be really interesting for people because you got Petrino, and Petrino's number one goal is to become a head coach in the Power Five again. I don't care what anybody says. That is it, all right? So um, is he going to try to steal Jimbo Fisher's job? Is he there to replace Jimbo Fisher when Jimbo Fisher leaves? Or is he there to kick ass on offense and have an AD take a chance on him, right? Mm-hmm. So the, either way, the two of those three scenarios, AM comes out on top in that, right? So uh, I, I think that's probably one of the – least talked about most dynamic parts of the sec this year is bobby petrino Mm -hmm. because yes he is volatile but on the field he's football genius right i don't think we'd argue everywhere he has been he has an incredible impact on the field 
Uh, he actually has an incredible impact off the field. It happens to be negative. Um, so, you know, but, uh, but my numbers don't keep track of guys off the field. I just look at, right, you know, right. what they do on the field. And this guy is tremendous, both in play calling and as a head coach. So I think that with A&M, that might be one of the biggest wild cards because they have the talent. I don't think we, any of us would argue they have playoff talent uh, in College Station. They've had it there almost the entire time Jimbo's been there. So the question is, can Jimbo get the staff and the players culturally together uh, to make that run? I would uh, lean what I would always expect is him to head coach the players below their talent. Uh, but again, it's kind of like Florida. It's talented enough program where if you overlook it, it could really bite you in the ass on any given Saturday. All right, last one, Dave. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've boldly predicted LSU as the next national champion of college football. How outlandish is that uh, according to your numbers? Mm, uh, it's, it's, it's not blowing a .8 driving um, <laughs> or 1.2 or whatever. <laughs> But um, actually, so uh, it, it, it would be a huge anomaly if that was to happen. Um, you have a defensive coordinator uh, grade. So num- number one, what could make it happen? Do they have the talent level of past national champions? Yes. They have the talent level. Uh, they're a top 10 recruiter. They have the talent level of all 23 consecutive last national champions. Um, so we can check that box. How good did they do last year? They were not top 25 in total team scoring efficiency. No team in the last 23 years has been outside my top 25 in total team scoring efficiency and won the national title next year. Now, they were close. They were 31. So they were really, really close. But they weren't that good last year. I think they might be a year away. And the do they have the offensive coordinator grade? Yes. Denbrook is a national championship level OC, um, three and a half stars or better. Defensive coordinator is not there. He hasn't proven it. Now they don't have an elite coordinator. They got an elite head coach. Brian Kelly is absolutely an elite head coach, but he does not have an elite OC. He does not have an elite DC. He has a three-star DC. He's got a four-star OC. And based on the last 23 national champions, that is a not that's not enough staffing to get there. I think LSU is going to fall short and I think it's going to be on the defensive side. They're going to be a hell of a team. They're going to be a tough out, but when they lose and don't make your prognostication come true, it'll be on the defensive side of the football. Hmm. All right, Dave, before you go, can you tell the audience where's the best place to find all your work? Oh, shoot. Always uh, a couple of things. So number one, follow me on Twitter at CFB matrix. All right. That's one, two. Uh, I do have a text line. I am that much of a college football freaking junkie. 971-217-8419. You send me a text uh, that is civil. I will respond always at some point. Um, And uh, in the coming weeks, keep an eye out for Matrix Analytical. That is my consulting company. We work for uh, programs all over college football. Our big thing, uh, we do have the biggest coaching staff search engine in the world. We have over 15,000 graded college football coaches in there, and we're going to roll out our website showcasing these guys this month. Uh, That'll be under Matrix Analytical. You can find that on Twitter as well. We're really excited about rolling that out too. 
Oh man, I can't wait. So yeah, as soon as that's out, let us know. We'll we'll blast it out out there to everybody, uh, all our audience there for you. Absolutely, I appreciate.